Tom Darling, your host for Conversations with Classic Boats, the podcast that talks to boats. And this is part two of IC Classic, 88 Years in Winter Sailing at Larchmont Yacht Club. In our first installment, we took a busman's holiday on the Little Scorpions Club in Larchmont Harbor to check up on the state of the art of winter sailing in interclub dinghies. Go back if you haven't and sample the photos in the gallery of episode 18 taken by Peter Taylor. The website also has his slideshow of that fabulous mid-December afternoon on the water. This episode is about family sailing. Not just any family, but the family that comes closest in our opinion to the high standards we heard last time being upheld by one Arthur Knapp Jr. in chapter 20 of his classic Race Your Boat Right. At Larchmont, this is the Ulmer clan, and the head of the clan is Charles Ulmer Jr. We all know him as Butch. We'll hear from Butch, original and uncut, and then from his granddaughter, Collegiate All New England 2020 Yale grad Christine Chrissy Klingler. But first, we have a surprise for Butch from the shop that carries his name, namely Ulmer Coleus Sailmakers, Northeast. Take it away, UKS. For over 75 years, UK Sailmakers Northeast has been a full-service sail loft. We make and repair sails for all types of sailboats and all types of sails. From Grand Prix race boats to day sailors and everything in between, we custom make each sail to match where each customer sails, their boat, and their budget. Every new sale comes with our satisfaction guarantee for fit and finish. Better yet, UK Sailmakers Northeast provides concierge service to our customers to maximize the use of their boat. Make UK Sailmakers Northeast your go-to loft. Call 888-UK-SAILMAKERS. Now, Gary Jobson, who appeared in December in part one of Chasing Roosters on Barnegat Bay, gave me some coaching. Get right to the meat, he said. That's what they taught him at ESPN. So here we go. Just the leanest introduction to a Long Island Sound sailor who's been winning for almost 80 years. We took on the challenge in describing Butch Elmer in less than 30 seconds. Go. Naval Academy, 1961. Dueling with my alma mater Princeton's Dick Rose and Bill Cox. Winner of the Macmillan Cup in 1961. Intercollegiate Hall of Fame, 1970. National Sailing Hall of Fame. Joined the family business and built it into an international franchise. The PRO of Long Island Sound. What else can I say? The man behind Christopher Dragon. Larchmont's winningest offshore boat stable. And oh yes, Butch dominated Larchmont winter sailing, a.k.a. frostbiting, in the 1980s. When I joined Larchmont winter sailing, he had embarked on the first of his four-season championships. Welcome, Butch, to the Conversations with Classic Boats podcast. You know, you're a person that obviously a lot of people know. Uh, you were in Naval Academy in 1961. Right. You did battle with some of my senior alma mater at Princeton, guys like Dick Rose. Dick Bill Rose and, and, uh, and Bill Cox. Yep, yep. You did battle with them. They should have had a uniform. They were at Navy so much. Right, right. That's what they said. Um, they, you won the Macmillan cup 1961, which is, uh, really the top of the big boat college world. I give you that. I won one race in my career, which in the, in the Macmillan cup. So I, my hat's off to you. Yeah. 
Uh, you were Intercollegiate Hall of Fame 1970. Uh, you were National Hall, Hall of Fame. Uh, you joined the family business. You made it into an international franchise. Uh, in, in my own mind, you're kind of Mr. PRO, right? That's how I how I see you. Uh, the, P, the official PRO of from uh, basically Newport to New York City. You know, I, I've seen you run more races than anybody I know, uh, and particularly the intercollegiate offshore regatta, which I know is very dear to your heart and dear to my heart as well. But the subject for our discussion today is really large bite frostbiting. And when I started to frostbite, my sister, my brother-in-law and I started in 1983, you were kind of the dominant, you're kind of the New York Yankees of uh, large bite frostbiting. But obviously you didn't start there. So no. I'd, love, I'd love to hear how you started, You know who your kind of role models were at the beginning and how that progressed. Well, you, when you say how I started, how I started at Larchmont specifically. Yeah, exactly, in the ICs. Because I, I'm all through the Naval Academy, I was on the dinghy team. Okay. I wasn't on, I wasn't on the big boat team at right. all. Although I did my first two Bermuda races and my first two Annapolis-Newport races on the uh, on the Navy Alls, which, by the way, didn't have engines. and. Yep. Uh, but I was on the dinghy team. So many of the colleges that we would visit to sail with or against had IC dinghies. So okay. I, I was pretty used to the boat. Um, I got into Larchmont because I had been asked by two good friends, members of Larchmont, uh, for whom I made sales. These guys bought the, the uh, prototype Peterson New York 40. Okay. And yep. um, <clears throat> I made the sales and when they had the first championship for the uh, New York 40 class, they asked me to sail the boat and I said, sure. Yep. And um, this, the regatta was run by uh, Indian Harbor Yacht Club and it was a five race series. And I won the first two races and ended up third in the regatta. Hmm. And I said to Howie McMichael, who was sailing with me at the sure. time, I said, Howie, 10 or 15 years ago, when I was heavy into uh, uh, one design sailing, if I won the first two races of a five race regatta, everybody else was racing for second. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I, didn't, I didn't lose that event. Right. Right. And I said, so I'm going back to basics. Mm -hmm. And I... Uh, had another good friend, Joe Fontanella, who was uh, also a good friend of Howie's, who had charted Jack Sutphin's um, Scorpion. IC and uh, wasn't going to sail that year. Okay. So I recharted it from him. Okay. And that was what about, year was that? What year was that? I think it was 78, 79. Okay. Okay. And, um, and that, that was the start. And then I, I think I did. 13 or 14, or maybe even as many as 15 years in a row. Uh, I got you down for 15. Oh, I could be. Yeah. yeah. Got you, um, I got you through 93, and it looks like you won five championships out of those. No, I won four. Charlie, four. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, my, my son, Charlie, who has the same name. Just oh, that's just, right. So he won he, one. He that's won one. four, two. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I took a few years off, and I had – sold, I actually purchased the wood boat, which was called Rum Dum 
from Jack's that. Yep. It would have been easier to buy Jack's wife than it was to buy that boat from him. But, right. But right. he finally parted with it. It's a beautiful and, boat. Uh, um, I, I subsequently sold that boat and then bought um, a glass boat. Right. Which is number 61. Right. Which uh, Chrissy is now sailing. Which I saw her in, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and it's gray and it's was that a Vanguard boat? Yeah, yes, it was. And uh, um, we um, actually my Merrill, my daughter Merrill, Chrissy's mother. Yep. And I and uh, her then husband Kerry Klingler, right. we all bought we bought three boats at the same time. She had twenty seven, as I remember, right? Yeah, twenty seven exactly. Yeah. And yep. and uh, Neil Fowler built mm-hmm. all those boats. Okay. And they. They, it was a tremendously fast boat because it was very stiff. Very stiff, yeah. I, I, I loaned it after I had kind of retired, but I still owned the boat. I loaned it to Charlie one year for the Nationals at Larchmont. Yeah. And he won the regatta by yep. uh, some unbelievable margin because it blew, it blew sure. hard and that boat was just so fast. Sure. Well, you know, when I started at Larchmont, they didn't allow glass boats. Okay. Um, they were only wood boats. And oh. there was this um, feeling amongst the, uh, the uh, old timers that, that the guys sailing glass boats and would be, uh, they'd be playing bumper cars and they'd beat up the wood boats. Right. So they didn't allow them for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then as a fleet, grew the need for boats because they weren't building the wood boats anymore. Sure. Uh, the need for boats overcame the, the superstition. And that's what it was that the, the glass boats would, uh, would beat up the wood boats. That was certainly not the case. Well, I can remember um, I had seven, you know, which I think yeah. was originally a nap boat. You know, I think nap had multiple boats. I don't I'm sure know how many he had, but of course, that boat was dropped off the roof of my sister's suburban, and uh, Cloudy and uh, Cloudy Snaith, if you remember Cloudy, I sure do. We spent the summer, end of the summer, putting that boat together like Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. And as I used to say, it wasn't really a wood boat; it was a goujon boat with a wood core. <laughs> I always thought the wood boats were pretty stiff. I mean, well, I was, I was faster no. and heavier because I was better at heavy air, but I always felt the boat was pretty stiff. I thought they were faster downwind. Oh, that's I, interesting. I thought they had a little less rocker than mm. the glass boats. Interesting. They were a little, and um, and sixty four was always fast downwind. Yeah, and uh, and I I always felt I had an advantage. Yeah. Is there is this what's the name on sixty one? Different name? I didn't I didn't put a name on. It. Never put a name on that one. No. Okay. I just. Call it 61, yeah. Right. I got a kick out of the guy with the uh, green fiberglass boat writing agony on his boat. Oh, well, that, but that had the same number. Yeah. That, same that number, boat is same the same color. number as agony. That yeah. was, that boat, when that boat was built, that, that's a Vanguard. Yep. And it was uh, Carl Olson. Mm-hmm. Remember Carl was sure. a doctor with, uh, sure. he, yep. uh, he had that boat built and he had had the wood agony. Oh, that's right. That's what I remember. So it that that glass boat has the same number. Yep. As as the marine. A couple of wood boats left. 
but yeah. it's gone over to fiberglass. Well, you know, they don't allow them in a lot of the regattas now. Really? They won't. They don't allow the wood boats. They don't allow a wood boat. Yeah, because because so many of the wood boats, and I just found this out myself. Mm -hmm. But so many of the wood boats have been rebuilt. Yep. um, uh, Innumerable times. Many times. Yeah. The I guess once again the superstition is that they're not exactly ICs anymore. Yeah. But anyway, I was told they don't allow them in, in the nationals. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. wild. That's Pretty wild. amazing. Butch went on to talk about the transition in the generations of frostbite sailors at Larchmont. What I noticed was a really young crowd. It was a much yeah. younger group than I recall. Yep. My day. I think that's right. I think, I uh, and and that was another interesting thing about when I started, uh, there were <clears throat> there were a lot of senior citizens. That's say, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 Danny Danny Strohmeyer, Howie Howie Walden, um, Werblow, yeah, Fred, Fred Werblow. Yeah, there were uh, there were uh, a lot of uh, Bob Fisher was still sailing mm-hmm. at the time. Um, there, there were a lot of senior citizens sailing. Right, right, and. Um, and and I was let's see I was um, when I started I guess I was thirty eight or something mm-hmm. like that somewhere yeah. in that range sure and I was you know definitely looked upon as one of the <clears throat> younger the yeah. younger sailors yeah 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 uh, and um, well when it came into the eighties who were the people that really you 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 had to look out for you thought to sail against. I mean, there were obviously some pros there. Yeah. We had Chet. Well, Brown. it was a, well. Well, the the, 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 the there was a there was a contingent who was kind of there when I was there. The, mm-hmm. the, I would say the best of those was Dick Ronan. Okay. Um, okay, and then uh, Dave Smalley, Paul Paul Forsman uh, was was a uh, uh, old uh, Lodgemont sailor. Howie mm-hmm. McMichael. Sure. Um, uh, I can remember then, Glitch Shields showing up every now and then. Yeah, Glenn, and, and Glenn, yes, in 41. Yep. <coughs> and it uh, really looked like a boat that came from the 1930s, the way yeah, it was painted. Yep. Didn't look like a modern boat. No. And um, uh, then some of the uh, some of the older <coughs> sailors, um, like like Danny Stromer, mm-hmm. were particularly good when the uh, when the, when it was fluky. When, okay. when you had the Northwesters or something like sure, that, sure, sure. they come out of nowhere. Yeah, come out of nowhere. The other day on, on yep. Sunday, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so when it came into the it, it, when the young guns showed up, yeah. okay, the McCreenies, the, the, the those who were the who were the who were the ones that you really felt you had to duke it out with. They well, let's see. As they came along, it was uh, Bill Lynn. Yep. Steve Benjamin. Yep. Uh, then Doug Lynn, Doug Lynn too. Yep. Um, not related, but yeah. Not related, correct. Bob Monroe. Yep. Uh, um, and um, uh, let's see, who else? Um, um, well, was was Jamie out of it? Was Jamie McCreary out of it at that point? Or yeah, no, Jamie. Jamie was definitely in it. Yeah. <clears throat> Jamie was probably preceded me in the fleet. And he was he was a Top Gun 
when I when I started to get competitive, mm-hmm. J- Jamie was kind of the top gun. I left out uh, Bill Baxter Sr., right, who was, who was also in it. Okay, and then as time passed, my near my real nemesis became my oldest son. Right, that's true. <laughs> and uh, he, I finally got tired of getting kicked. Yeah, by him. Okay, uh, I, I mean, I, I forgot about that because he kind of went out of sailing for a while. I didn't, I didn't yeah, see him. Yeah, um, then we had a lot of visiting firemen uh, who came along: Bill Tripp, Dave Dave Dellenbaugh, um, Steve Kirkpatrick. Oh, yeah, I forgot him. Uh, uh, and um, you had uh, Chet Proctor. Oh, Chet, Chet Proctor, Proctor. yeah. I mean, I know you don't want to think about those sailmakers, those North sailmakers. I know you. Well, put that on your own. yeah, you know they came and went. They yeah. really did. They were. They didn't. Uh, um, and and um, uh, and and Ch- and Chad Chad was about the best of them. Yeah. But um, there there were some other uh, there were mm-hmm. some other uh, young sailmakers that that came into the fleet. I yeah. I can't I can't remember them now, but yeah. um, the fleet grew tremendously um, in the early to mid 80s yes that was when the um the, the they start they allowed glass boats because uh, you simply couldn't accommodate all all the guys who wanted to sail in the fleet and and really good sailors but one one of the things that was true about the fleet is that on any given day, there were probably 10 or 12 boats out there and not always the same boats that yep. could, that could win that day. Right. And when I can remember that we got, we had so many boats, um, um, Tom, we had to hang, we were hanging them between the pillars. Yep. We were hanging them in straps between yep. the pillars. I remember of that. The roofs, uh, yep. uh, holding the roof up of the, uh, pandemonium because you couldn't fit all the others in there yeah but i counted 32 boats much the other day yeah one day we had and we i can remember having 40 on the starting line yes and and there were probably another 10 or 15 sitting in the pandemonium not getting used that day right right it looks like nick uh, has spent a lot of time cultivating these really younger sailors like your like your granddaughter See a lot of you really, you know, just out of college sailors sailing those boats. Well, I think the reason for that is that the frostbiting has um, morphed into a younger person's sport. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it. Hmm. And I, and I think a lot of that has to do with the ability to handle um, small boats so well. And I'm not. I'm not talking you know, about just, just the kinetics. I'm talking about just yeah. handling them. I can I can remember when it blew hard, and I, I and I I had first started be blowing hard, and and a lot of the older guys in the fleet would you know they'd be ah you know maybe it's blowing a little too hard, Stanley. I'd yeah. say bullshit. Let's go. You know. Right, 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 right. I mean, uh, and and I think I think that's I think that's part of it. The kids are just fearless. I always remember you sailing with your son who was so small. Okay. When you yes. were right at that time. Well, and he was, uh, that he was bigger and bigger finally, but you, uh, you, um, 
uh, asked me here where I got my crew, and yes, and and I was going to say I manufactured them myself. Right, right, right. Did Merrill crew for you? I don't remember. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, Merrill was my first crew. Okay. okay. And Merrill, and then Charlie never crewed for me. No, I know he, that he's too he big. He grew too big, too fast, and then I got him his own boat. Right. Um, but what was the son? What was but, your younger son's name? Well, I have three other sons. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, Joe was the middle son. He was younger than Charlie, and he crewed for me a lot. Yeah. And then, then of the twins, we had twin boys. That's what Peter. Peter mostly sailed with me, but but yeah. Billy Billy sailed. But I remember I Peter, so. I think, because I remember they were twins. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 One nice thing about the. I see, and I say this to a lot of people. Number one, it doesn't go too fast. Yeah. Number two, it's got some freeboard. So yep. you get a little bit of protection yep. from the spray and the, the, and elements, the waves, yep. if you will. And um, after that, I, I think it's a matter of the boats not mattering to most people. It's the competition. Right. And the people, I mean, the beauty of it when we were doing it was the group of people we saw every Sunday. Great, great people. Yeah. Great people. And it was, and and the the sailing was was hard sailing, but it was clean sailing. Yeah. And there were very few um crosswords. Yeah. And and um at the great end of the day, I thought it had great camaraderie. It yeah. Was a group of great camaraderie. That's right. And at the end of the day, um, everybody uh, belly up to the bar and and we'd have a few laughs. And, yep. and I thought that that was a um, probably almost as important as the sailing itself. Thanks, Butch. I've always been more than a bit in awe of Butch, like he and his generation would have been of Arthur Knapp Jr. That's the generational beauty of sailing and sailors. Now, Christine, a.k.a. Chrissy, daughter of Merrill, granddaughter of Butch. In 2017, as a freshman at Yale, Chrissy was winning a national championship with her sister Casey. In that year, I wrote an article for Windcheck Magazine about frostbiting. I went to each club, I sailed the boats, not well, and I wrote about it. Now, here in 2022, I wanted to do a new piece, but just about the IC in Larchmont. And here we are, talking to Chrissy in her first season as a skipper here at Larchmont. Thanks, Chrissy, for taking the time in this busy season. Uh, I was able to go out on the Little Scorpion with Nick Langone and watch, and I saw a lot of number 61, the Ulmer boat. A little introduction for Chrissy. Uh, grew up sailing at the American Yacht Club in Juniors. Graduated of the Hotchkiss School 2016, Yale 2020. And as I said, National Women's Champ 2017. Now working on Wall Street with a PE firm. Big time commitment. We had sent some questions, but let's just see where this goes. You went to the Hotchkiss School, graduated in 2016. Yes. Graduated from Yale in 2020. That must have been interesting yes. during the pandemic. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> had the Women's Championship under your belt in 2017. And now you're working on Wall Street, right? For, that is all correct. For, for a partnership. 
I can identify with that. I, I went to Wall Street in, in uh, 1980 myself, personally. So I had given you some questions, but I'll, I'll leave you with the questions. Uh, okay. Some things to talk about. And this isn't really an interview. This is really an attempt to be a, dis- you know, we attempt to be, have a discussion. Uh, but, you know, in terms of when you did the national championship, when you think back to that and you think back to your frostbiting today, what did you take away from what your college sailing that helps you in the, in the frostbiting today? Uh, well, it's a very similar style between college sailing and the frostbiting. Both of them are, you know, pretty short courses, you know, 20 minutes or so per race. Um, and it's, it's about managing both like your own, your own boat speed and boat handling and uh, where you are in the fleet. And so I think like a lot of the same skills from about like how to position yourself on the starting line and um, in a bigger fleet going into the windward mark are, are, are all very similar. Right. What's it like to, because college sailing, you tend to have divisions of you know, 10, 12, maybe 15. What's it like to sail in that 32 boat fleet at Larchmont? I mean, is it that much more difficult to find your lanes or is it it's still the same? Um, I, I, I think it's pretty similar. I, I, when I was in college, I'd say that you would have kind of the smaller regattas would be 12 to 15, but then it'd still have like 18 boat fleets a lot of, a lot of weekends. Uh, uh, the nationals were always 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, I think in general, it, it tends to have a small, a, a very similar feel. I also did, um, 420 sailing growing up. And so college sailing was actually like going down in fleet size, a okay. decent amount. Okay. And so, so you're the, used to the, sailing the smaller fleets with the junior sailing and it's going down yeah. to the smaller fleet for the intercollegiate sailing. Or, or no, re- really the junior sailing fleets could be quite large. Okay. And so, mm-hmm. and so, um, it would actually often be a smaller fleet for college sailing. And I, I, th- I think in general, the bigger fleets just put an emphasis that on, on starting because it's harder to sail, f- sail through a larger fleet. There, there are fewer open lanes. Sure. And, but, but other than that, it's still about, you know, managing where you are on the course and mm-hmm. you know, sailing the ships the best you can. Now, how many, how many weeks or so have you done in the large month? Harbor sailing. How many frostbiting days have you done? Uh, I haven't done that many yet. So this is this is really uh, really my first winter doing it since I was. I, I sailed a few times when I was really little with uh, with my dad actually um, okay. Okay. In, in elementary school. Um, I, I kind of forget how many I did then, and then uh, I've done three weekends so far. Okay, so you had the experience as a crew in the boat, so you saw you saw what was going on. What do you think is the appeal to the younger sailors of frostbiting? I'll just tell you, in my day, I, th- I think the average age was 40 years old in terms of the people right. sitting on the boats. Well, I think that's one of the really nice things about frostbiting is that it, it's a chance to be more connected to, I guess, the larger community of the yacht club. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I also do a lot of the vanguard sailing, which tends to be you know, the more college age, just out of college age kids. Sure. and and that's and that's really fun. Um, but it's also great to you know do the frostbiting, and I, I also have done a little bit of the team, uh, the keelboat team racing mm-hmm. over the last year, and both of them have been really great opportunities to get to know a lot of the older members better. And you know they're all really good sailors. They're not particularly interested in sailing vanguards, but they're good competition in the IC fleet. 
I yeah. almost feel like it's more difficult to keep a crew for ICs because they're just they just get so cold. Squeeze <laughs> to death. Squeeze to death. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. But it was interesting to see your day. There was a 10-year-old young girl sailing with her father. And she she looked right. very happy. She had her dry suit and she was she yeah. was all she was all set up. But again, I think it was a much it's a much younger group that I saw out of the I sort of scored each boat in terms of how, uh, what the total age of the, each boat was. It's probably a good 10 years median lower than was uh, 25 right. years, a generation ago. Yeah, it seems like they had a pretty big push to get uh, more more of the high school sailors involved, um, which which has been, I, I think, a fun addition. I, I, th- I think my age group could, uh, <laughs> I should push a few more of my friends to come out every weekend yeah. because yeah. That, that would be fun. But um but like I said, I think it's a good opportunity for you know every everyone on the in the club to get to know each other better across different age groups. And there there are so many good sailors at kind of all ages of the club, and so it's awesome to have a fleet where everyone's sailing against each other. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, Yarnstrom and I find unique in its ability to sort of pass people from one boat to the next, to kind of move them up in the age group to. You know, they have depth. They That's why they have as much depth as they do in their sailing group compared to other yacht clubs that I know. Now, who cruised for you? Uh, so I, I registered for the season or started to with my sister. And so she crewed for me the first weekend, which was which was pretty fun. And then um, another weekend I, I sailed with uh, Claudia Loicano, who's... Um, she was the great below me on the Yale team. And so awesome. It was awesome to sail with her. That was the weekend you came. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, you had, very, you had a very good, uh, I don't know. I didn't see the final scores. So, so I had to get up and run away, but uh, it seemed like you were pretty consistent. And you also came out of some real holes to come back that one race where you were over, where you came way back. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I guess it was, it, I, I'd say I, uh, it was a, it was a pretty shifty day, and yes, so I think you could say that. there were there <laughs> there. I'd say I had a few races where I sunk back after a big shift and a pack of boats to be able to go around me. But then I've also, you know, I I think those are the type of days where you just have to keep your head in the game for the whole race, and uh, if you stay focused, you can you can keep kind of like chipping away at the fleet, and if you kind of want to just sail to the corner, then you'll probably get past. <laughs> now, two things I noticed again from, from a generation ago, number one, everyone sails the boat tip to windward a lot more than we did. Okay. Much more aggressive. Yeah. And number two, either they have a very, uh, very nimble person to hold that boom out. Or I saw people with mm-hmm. paddles with notches who were taking their paddles and sticking them on the boom to push the boom out, which is again, right. kind of a unique, a, a, a look I had never seen before. Yeah, I'm I'm still getting used to some of the more specific aspects of sailing these boats. But my guess is um, the the windward heel probably helps going downwind. And then uh, I was I was told people use the handles to hold the booms, both to make sure your hand gets a little less cold. Yes, oh, no, no, I'm sure that's <laughs> and, true. And, yeah. And then also, I, I'd imagine that if you use the paddle, you could have the crew sit a little bit more into windward and mm-hmm. have a further reach, or also sit further back if it's in it. cases where it gets windy. So, what's what's your goal for this year? Where where did you mentally set a goal for yourself when you started the year? Or? I think 
it's it's it, I don't have a specific like number I'm trying to hit, but I I, I think in general like I, you know this is I'm a year and a half into my job and mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to and I've done a decent amount of sailing in the last year and a half and obviously <laughs> some of it was a little bit strange because of you know I was graduating at the same time of the COVID pandemic sure. hitting. Um, sure. But I, I, I think I'm just trying to, you know, figure out all the ways that I can balance sailing as much as I can with, mm-hmm. you know, getting my job done. And well, it's kind of non-invasive if they let you off for fr- Sunday, fr- uh, for s- Sunday afternoons. It's probably right. it's <laughs> a, a pure sailing minutes. Uh, it's probably pretty economical frostbiting. I always felt that way. Definitely. Got a lot for a little amount of time. A little amount of time. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of one of the great things about it. You know, it's not it's on a far trip out of the city. I can just go for a few hours. It'll be a good fleet. Um, have have dinner with my mom after. It's <laughs> good. No, it's a very it's a very. I mean, it, it's great for me to see junior sailors, young sailors have that kind of opportunity to get out and sail in that kind of high quality fleet. I mean, you know, I hit that fleet when I was thirty years old. So, but I got a lot better. Right. And that's not saying much, but, you know, I definitely got better in my own fleet in Thistles, which was a pretty awesome right. fleet, given that you had David Dellenbaugh, Chad Proctor, et cetera, ahead of me, way ahead of me. But, yeah, I found my learning curve was very steep in the 80s. And, again, I sort of having having family sort of dents your ability to spend the same amount right. of time. But, yeah, I think it's a very unique uh, activity. I will tell you that, you know, Arthur Knapp, Mm-hmm. wrote a book called race your boat right okay okay if you've never seen you should read and okay. it has a chapter in it on his experience and really personally moving frostbiting ahead at larchmont it's a very oh, fa- awesome. very fascinating article and when you realize and you and you read some of it you realize that the things that he was doing in the 1930s are the same things they're doing today okay same courses they had they had a little scorpion. They got the little scorpion from an idea from Manhasset Bay. In Manhasset Bay, they took an old landing craft from the war, okay, and put a deck on okay. it and put the same kind of little house on it with a heater. And Manhasset, that, that was there. And that's how the idea for the little scorpion, what we think of as a, a dock with a with a kind of like the monitor and the Merrimack, you know, a cheese box on the <laughs> raft, right? But right. Um, you know. I'll I'll send you a couple of excerpts from it. You'll 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 appreciate it, and I'm sure your grandfather has a copy signed by our. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure he does somewhere, <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll make sure to read those. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks, Butch. I just wanted to show off one thing before we go. In our episode of Chasing Roosters on Barnegat Bay, Gary Jepson said of all his awards, the one he treasured the most was his 1967 BBYRA Penguin Championship. For me, it's the Little Scorpion Trophy, 1992. You can see it back in the Part 1 gallery of the last episode. Take a look. Most Improved, 1992. Kind of like kissing your sister, right? I should have stopped right there. My daughter was born in August of that year, and it was harder and harder to keep up. But I love trying. There you have it. 
the living, breathing modern history of one, if not the most hallowed, winter sailing program. Winter sailing at the Larchmont Yacht Club. Enjoy the gallery for episode 19 with great shots from the mid-December race day. Photos by Peter Taylor and a couple from me. Thanks to Connie Barris for giving us that great voiceover for Omer Coleus Sailmakers Northeast. Butch Omer's still a consultant. We look forward to having UK Sailmakers Northeast in the podcast again very soon. Thanks to Peter Taylor, who outdid himself with both photos and the fabulous slideshow that appears on the website. Thanks to all the Frostbite Committee at Larchmont, headed by Nick Langone, who was such a gracious host. For that, he gets a picture in the gallery. And most of all, thanks to Butch Ulmer and Chrissy Klinger, who made time available in the crazy holiday season. We'll be checking in on Chrissy's results. We suspect that they will be good. And as always, thanks to our partners at WinCheck and SpinSheet. I made good on my promise to Ben Cesar of WinCheck Media that I would keep him and his IC number 21 out of this broadcast. You can read all about our feature article on winter sailing in their March issue. SpinSheet has the interclub dinghy on its classic boat page for the February publication, both print and electronic. We are planning big stuff with Martha Parker of Team One Newport. We will be opening our Conversations Club site with Team One very soon. A commerce site for you loyal listeners and subscribers. See it soon on Martha's email blasts and the Conversations website. And remember, give us a review. Five stars, please. Tell a friend. Tell two. Subscribe at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast that talks to boats, Conversations with Classic Boats. This episode was written by Tom Darling and produced by Griffin Bengroff. Take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Fair sailing, Tom Darling. Any harm. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm, and we'll all.